This is episode number 952 with number one New York Times bestselling author, Glennon Doyle. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, don't be pushed by your problems, be led by your dreams. And Shonda Rhimes said, you can waste your lives drawing lines or you can live your life crossing them. I am so excited about this episode. One, because I met Glennon during a time of deep emotional challenge in my life where I revealed for the first time about being sexually abused as a young boy. And Glennon guided me in crossing over that line and revealing something that was really scary, that was really challenging to talk about, and something that I've been holding inside for 25 years. And she has a new book that is going to rock your socks. Glennon Doyle is the author of the number one New York Times bestseller, Untamed which is a Reese's Book Club selection, and Love Warrior, an Oprah's Book Club selection, as well as the New York Times bestseller, Carry On Warrior. She's an activist and thought leader, and Glennon is the founder and president of Together Rising, an all-women-led nonprofit organization that has revolutionized grassroots philanthropy, raising over $25 million for women, families, and children in crisis. She lives in Florida with her wife and her three children. And in this episode, Glennon talks about her definition of motherhood and letting go of shame as mothers. When Glennon came out to the world about her love for her now wife and how she handled her divorce and raising her children during a book tour, we talk about truth, grace, and forgiveness in personal relationships and marriage how this can be so challenging at times, and how to do it. We discuss the importance of collaboration over competition in your business. Glennon breaks down the definition of confidence and how you can truly embrace it in every area of your life, why it's not just important who you surround yourself with, but also what you surround yourself with to have true peace in your life. And she gives her top advice for families in quarantine right now, that and so much more. I am so excited for you to listen to this episode. If you feel moved and inspired in any way, make sure to share this with one friend today, lewishouse.com slash 952, or you can just copy and paste the link over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast and share it with a friend. You have the power to change someone's life. Make sure to share it if you think of anyone who you think could be useful in listening to this episode. And make sure to tag Glennon as well over on Instagram and Twitter when you're posting this on social media. All right, I'm so excited about this. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode with the one, the only, Glennon Doyle. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. We have the lovely Glennon Doyle in the house. I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you. 
thrilled to be here. Well, to be here, Stephanie. I know. I'm so bummed because I wanted to do this in person, but we, we had to postpone it. And then I was like, well, I want to wait to do it in person. I don't want to mm. do this, this video conferencing stuff. I want to see you. I want to give you a hug, which I don't even know if I'm allowed to hug anyone in the future. <laughs> I, I saw something come out this morning that said they're, 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 the person who's like the virus expert is saying that we should never shake hands again. And I'm just like, as an affectionate human being, I don't understand that personally. You can't hug someone. You can't shake their hand. I don't know. No. And I feel like that's catastrophic thinking too for me. Right. I can't go there. I'm just, I can barely make it to dinner with these children, <laughs> right? I'm just one freaking hour at a time and then we'll deal with the after know, the right? next life after this. Whew. Well, you've had a crazy journey over the last lifetime, but over the last four years specifically, mm -hmm. since I've seen you last and you've written a number of books, we were talking about this beforehand that you said, this is probably the the last book you need to write. I'm sure you'll write many more because you're too talented of a writer not to write more. Um, but I was reading something that really blew me away when I was reading part of this. And I just want to read a couple of things to, to set the context. You said, mothers have been martyring themselves and their children's names since the beginning of time. And we have been trained to prove our love by uh, ceasing to exist Proving our love by ceasing to exist. I was like, <gasps> I started, I started opening my mouth and just like highlighting this and starring. And I was like, this is like something every mother needs to hear that line. And I watched my mom do this for 30 years mm -hmm. and, and be in a marriage where she felt voiceless, where she felt unseen, unheard. Mm -hmm. And I eventually saw my father transform and go through his own emotional intelligence training and, and start to change. But I think with the tools that they had, there was very limited options for her or seeming limited options. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's millions of women who probably have felt that way or feel that way right now. Mm -hmm. And you're saying we don't need to prove our love by ceasing to exist. Mm. No, because it's just such a terrible legacy to pass on, right? I mean, I um, the reason that story is in the book is because I was in a bad marriage to a good man. Yeah. Um, and that's a tricky place to be for a woman because we are taught really hard mm -hmm. and you have kids you're you feel and we're supposed to be grateful for good enough I mean I had a good enough life I had a good enough marriage I had the kind of marriage that women are trained to be grateful for right which, I also well, which had, is what Why, how is it how is it good because I mean well like, as you know from Love Warrior there was yeah. a lot of infidelity that yeah. I didn't know about but but also he, Craig is a, was and is a fantastic father like the, the there's no kinder person he just he's just wonderful in so many ways and yeah. and still in that marriage i was full of rage i didn't act like it on the outside but i was just this like low level river of rage all mm. the time and i just boiling up just like just right under the surface like a dormant volcano just ready to <laughs> Just like, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, and I had this longing, you know, for a deeper, truer love that I couldn't let myself admit. And, um, and then, as you know, I met Abby and yeah. fell madly in love. And she was out but of I almost didn't. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I almost didn't um, follow my heart with Abby because I was trained to believe that a good mother does not hurt her children. 
right? So one day I was braiding my middle daughter's hair and I just looked at her and I thought, oh my God, I am staying in this marriage for her. But would I want this marriage for her? Oh, you wouldn't. If your daughter came to you 20 years later and said, this is what I'm going through, mom, you would ferociously say, do not do this, get yeah. out, right? Right. So Why I was, so I was um, modeling bad love yeah. and calling that good mothering, mm. right? Because, I mean, really what this, what Unta- Untamed is about is about figuring out these root beliefs that are planted beneath us that control us and we don't even think about them, right? They're planted in us by culture. And for women, all of these root beliefs have to do one way or another with disappear, right? A good girl is quiet, pretty, submissive, accommodating, pleasing, right? A good wife is supportive, sacrificial. A good mother is a martyr, right? A good mother slowly, she just buries her feelings, her emotions, her her ambition, her dreams, mm-hmm. and, and does that in the name of her children, right? Which is such an unbelievable burden for the children of mother, mother of martyr mothers to bear. Because is, is it in the name of children or is it in the name of appearances of what you're doing for your children, like your social circles? It's the name of showing that you're a good mother to other people I, for your children. I think a lot of what we show, I think a lot of things have to do for show. I don't think this is one of them. I think that the mothers I know, that the way I feel, that it was deeper than that. It was truly, that I truly believed that my calling as a mother was to put everyone else's needs in front of mine, that that was the way that I proved my love. And Where did you learn that? Well, from culture, yeah. right? Just, it's social conditioning. It, you know, we are all born with these beautiful individual selves, and then right around 10 years old, we start to formalize our um, social conditioning and our social programming. So very early, this is what, you know, your last book is about. Very early, you're told you're a boy. Here are the things that boys do. Don't cry. Don't do this. Do this. Yeah. Right. So you, so that's your taming, right? You start to lose your wild. You start to lose who you're born to be. Don't tame me. Come on, Glennon. That's right. And I mean, then we hit this this certain time and we're thinking, why do I feel so caged? Like, why do I feel like I'm never being myself? I'm always acting. I'm always, what I say on the outside is different than what I feel on the inside. And that's because we're all, we're all being stuffed inside these little cages of gender, of religion, of sexuality, of roles. Yeah. Right? So, and that's why, you know, when I looked at Tish and figured that out, I realized the role of a mother is not to be a martyr, it's to be a model. Ooh. Right, our children will only allow will only allow <laughs> themselves to live as fully as we allow ourselves That's to live. That's true. So, of course, so we have to refuse to settle for any relationship or any community or any nation less beautiful than the one we want for our babies. I love what you said before this on the page before, which I think is an exercise. You should actually create an exercise somewhere online, unless it's at the end of this chapter. I didn't see it, but you said it's important to take a look at yourself every once in a while in the mirror. And you said you had a moment where you just sat in the mirror and looked at yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've had a few of those moments in my life where not where you're just putting, uh, you know, cream on or your makeup or doing your hair, but actually just sitting and asking yourself the question, 
who am I? And is this the life I want to be living? And am, do I respect the person I'm looking at in the mirror? I had this a, a couple times in the last seven years with myself and I was not happy with the person I was looking at or I was, something was off in some area of my life. And you said you did that. And we all need to make sure we look ourselves in the eyes and see if we're proud of who we are. I think that's mm -hmm. something we should do every morning yeah. or even a quick moment. I'm just like, am I proud of how I showed up today? Not needing to be perfect, but am I proud of you know, my values and how I want to live in the world? And I think that's these three yeah, pages. Like, are there any lies there? Right? Are there any lies? What are you, what are you hiding? We hide stuff from ourselves, man. All oh, the time. Yeah, how long did you hide stuff from yourself? Oh my God. Well, it's like, you know, in the book I describe it as, it's like we're the, we're the snow globes, you know? We just like keep everything shaken up around ourselves, like with busyness and, you know, all the distractions that we use so we never have to like see that little immovable object in the middle of the snow globe. That's what sobriety was for me. Mm. It was just a settling of all the snow, a like, there's no more flurry. There's no more distractions. And I'm just left with this like eye to eye. Yeah. Me and you, just, just us, like no lies anymore. Right? Yeah. No, and, and no, you know, no one's saying how good you are, how amazing you are. No, no book to put out and be like, oh, you're doing great. You're an amazing mother. You're amazing, right? You know, all those things, right? Yeah, because all of that is just flurry. It is, yeah. Right? All of that is flurry. What, what's the thing that you're most, um, I would say the least proud of uh, since being married and having kids uh, with your first marriage mm -hmm. and the thing you're most proud of since ending it. I was going to say ashamed, but I, I'm not saying that you should be ashamed of anything, but just thinking you're like, for looking back, you know, what? I'm just not so proud crazy. that I did this. This is so crazy because I am like the queen of revelation, like revealing things. Uh -huh. But I would say that, I mean, I think there's ways that Abby and I kind of rushed the kids a little bit that I would do differently now. In what sense? How did you rush them? I think that we've had talks since then that maybe we were openly affectionate a little bit before they were ready. Like day yeah. one, you're like, hey, we're hanging out and now we're all No, over. I mean, we weren't like that. We were actually very careful, very careful. Got it. Um, but, and, and slow for what I thought. And yet, my and this is my middle daughter who tells us every single thing we've ever done wrong like in our life constantly so right. she gives she's a feedback daughter you know <laughs> as was i sure. um so i think maybe i would have done things a little bit slower there mm -hmm. i think the thing it's, I'm it's hard to contain love it's hard to slow down appreciation affection uh, you know the, the feeling of wow this is a ma magic it's hard to be like oh let's contain our magic yeah, and especially when you're 42 and it's the first time you've ever been in love before. I was like 12. Ooh, oh, was, my I like goodness. A 12 year old. I mean, I've never been in love before. Never. No, What's I, the difference between loving someone and being in love? Okay. First of all, I, I don't know. I still can't tell people like, okay, well, were you like gay the whole time? Were you just, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. But I do know that I always just matched myself with people that it made sense to match myself with. Okay, here's a person that checks the things off on the list that I should want, that I should want. Right? Not that you want, but that you should want. That I should want, that makes sense, right? And that is what I did in high school. It's what I did in college. 
It's what I did afterwards. And I never felt like a deep burning passion ever. Like the only deep burning passion love I ever had before Abby was um, for my children and for my activism. Mm. Literally it. I mean, I, my family used to joke about, they'd call me the ice queen because I just didn't have that like romantic. I thought there was something wrong with me. Like I just, I used to say, Louis, you know, love is like a light and um, some people are good at laser love and I'm more of like a floodlight. Oh, wow. When I fell in love with Abby, it was like, I was so excited about being in love, but I was so excited for myself mm. because I thought that I was going to die without ever having this experience. Oh my, you hear other people talk about it. You see Disney movies with your kids show it, but then you're like, well, I guess I'll never have it. And I used to not even want to see it. Like I'd be, I was like one of those sour grapes people. Like turn the kissing off. That's oh, this bullshit. Yeah, yeah, right. Like so, and and I th- I think it's it's so fascinating, Lewis, because one of the reasons why I trusted it, like trusted the love that I felt, was because it was the first time. I wanted Abby so much, and it was the first time I had wanted anything beyond what I had been conditioned to want, mm-hmm. right? And it was, and I loved her, and it was the first time I had loved anyone beyond who I had been expected to love. Or right? what you thought you should love. Yeah. yeah, and that's sometimes how you know that your true untamed self is coming out, because the whole rest of the world is going, no, 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 no. Is it, is it good to be untamed all the time? And be a wild, wild beast just frolicking in the streets. You know, I'm untamed here in my love life and I'm untamed in my business and, you know, all my relationships in my family, you know. Well, I mean, first of all, I don't think anyone is all the time. I mean, I think the important thing is to define what untamed means. Okay, here, let's hear it. Untamed just means living an examined life, right? It it means doing what Walt Whitman suggested, which is re-examining everything you've Uh, been taught in a book, in church, in school, in the world, and dismissing whatever insults your own soul, right? So there's a hell of a lot of people that desperately need to untame from their religion. Yeah. My wife is somebody who was taught very early that she was an abomination to God, Mm, right? She was raised in the Catholic church and she has spent her entire life feeling alienated from, feeling, uh, angry with feeling left behind by God because that is who she was. That's what she was taught. And it has taken me five years to convince her that she did not choose herself instead of God and church, that she chose herself and God instead of church, right? Mm. Church and God are not at all the same thing. Yeah. Church is man-made. Oh God. Right. So untaming yourself from religion and returning to the idea that you were that everyone was born with that everyone is equally made up of the of the divine right yeah. um yes i feel like everyone needs to do that and also yeah. the untaming from these gender gendered ideas right that's what you've worked on for much of your yeah. career yeah range rover sport leads by example picture this 
assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host look around you can find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding right your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Boys are so caged. And boys are. Caged. Oh my God. In our culture, like, we wonder why all these problems in the world, right? And one of the reasons for all the problems in the world is because we have raised men who express no emotion other than rage and anger, right? Who are completely invulnerable, who think they have to be certain in every scenario. Right, win. Their power is through conquering women and being completely narcissistic. Like mm -hmm. our, the way we have created little boys in terms of toxic masculinity is going to take our planet down if we don't undo it. It, it is taking our planet down. Exactly. I, mean, I mean, you know, when I came out with masculine masculinity a few years ago, it was, I didn't plan this, but that was the height of me too. That was the height of all the, the Vegas shootings and all the racial marches and all these. And I was just like, the common denominator is everything bad that's happening is by angry men at this moment. Uh, you know, angry men or men in power that are expressing some type of masculinity that they think is okay. And I'm one to blame that's had these, these beliefs my entire life. I wasn't that extreme of killing people, but it was just like, I would get angry. I would react. I would want to fight in situations as opposed to assess the situation and be a true man, which is a man of leadership, a man of vulnerability, a man of uh, calm and assessment first before just reaction mode. And I think that's, um, you know, that's something I had to learn the hard way many different times in my life that being this way gets you certain uh, rewards, you know, needing to be right, needing to win at all costs making yourself bigger, faster, stronger. There are certain benefits and rewards. 
having sex with lots of women. There's certain benefits to going after that lifestyle, but there's also a lot of prices you get to pay in the journey of doing that as well. There's pain you cause in yourself, hurt you cause in others, relationships that suffer, you know, and um, that's just part of the journey that I think we all need to learn how to untame any type of role we've lived or any type of societal thing we've lived our lives. So there I feel there. There is a price to pay for it. And Absolutely. I do think we will get to the point years from now where we won't even say, how, how do you be a real woman? Or how do you be a real man? Like, I think that's going to sound so weird <laughs> yeah. to, to us a decade. Because certainly we are starting to understand that personality characteristics or character traits are not gendered. Yeah. Right. There is no like list of character traits that are male and list of character traits that are female. There is only permission to express certain character traits, right? So women are just permitted to express gratitude and sweetness and deference and whatever. Vulnerability, yeah. We have just as much rage and certainty and ambition and experience that yeah. and all the things, right? Yep. So soon we're just going to get our little babies and we're not going to say, how do I turn this into a real man? We're going to say, how do I encourage this being to have the entire human experience? Yeah. And be a leader of love and, and, and learn multiple things in the world. Yeah. You, you, you're preaching to the choir for me. This is my, this is my jam. And, um, I'm curious what has been the biggest challenge for you then with your, your relationship and untaming things and mm -hmm. stepping into you know, the person you've always wanted to be, the person who's always been there that you've never allowed to come out? Yeah, good question. So the funny thing is, I mean, you know, Louis, that I didn't announce my divorce and my love for Abby six weeks before my epic marriage loves, my epic marriage book. redemption story, Love Warrior, came out. Yeah. Which was, it was book club pick. It was like the world as like a redemption story. I mean, it was unbelievable timing, right? I mean, I announced my my wedding to Abby while I was on a nationwide church tour. So okay. wait a minute, the book was telling one thing and then you were saying to the world, no, the opposite. no, not at all. I've never ever been anything except unbelievably fiercely inclusive. I've been, I've been an LGBTQ activist for a decade and a half. I've been to more gay pride parades than Abby has. And she's no, not about, not about that. I mean, about uh, the love, the love, um, story well i mean it's timing right as you know it's so wild because these books you finish I mean, two years later yeah it's two years later yeah you're a different right? person so you're a different human being so how do you navigate that what how do you navigate that when the world is reading one thing that came out and then you're saying well actually this isn't true anymore for me and here's what i've discovered how do you <laughs> sell a book that's not what you think anymore of totally and then go and speak about well this is actually go get my next book because that's what's the real truth is. yeah well tragically for my agents and my entire publishing team of love warrior i am the only rule that i have myself for myself in all things marriage family career is related to my sobriety okay so uh -huh. my sobriety is the point from which all other good things come in my life so mm -hmm. if if i don't you know, keep my eye on sobriety, then I have nothing else. Everything falls. Right. So my rule for sobriety is, is that I will live in integrity, which for me does not mean doing the right thing. It just means that my 
inner self, my feelings and my desires and my experience will match my outer words and actions so that my outer self and my inner self will be integrated, which is what integrity means. So what I knew at that time was that it was wildly inconvenient for the book, but that I was going to go ahead and tell everybody the truth the whole time. Wow, gosh. And Lewis, I mean, the meetings about this, like, just, you know how this goes. I mean, I would be on calls to New York. There would be 17 people on these calls. They would be saying, just wait six weeks. Just please. No way. No one's going to buy this book if, you know, they're going to. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't, that's not my one thing. Yeah. And this was two years ago and you guys took too long for me to put it out. (laughs) You signed a truth teller, man. Like, what can I tell you? Um, So, I mean, how do you feel about, how do you give yourself grace of, you know, we all learn and grow and evolve into different human beings. mm -hmm. How do you give yourself grace from what you preached from the rooftops two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, in whatever book or article that you wrote at times, just saying, you know what, it's okay. That's where I was at in my life now, and this is where I'm at now. How do you give yourself that grace and kind of like, oh, you know, was I steering people in the wrong way or? Yeah, no, I never, I, I thought of it more as a, a manif- um, kind of a culmination of everything that I'd been teaching as opposed to like a difference than everything that I'd been teaching. Yeah. I mean, Love Warrior was a book that was largely about um, me uh, learning how to not abandon myself. Uh-huh. Right. So um, I think like it, if you're not going to be somebody who's okay with um, living one story, one season of your life, writing about it and then living another season of your life and writing about it. Yeah. That's cool. You just can't be a writer. Right. You and have to stand by one thing that you've done is like, this is the truth forever. And there's nothing I hate more than that. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like that's everything that's wrong. Like if, if you're a person who's like stuck in your beliefs and stuck in your place and sticking by your, and not paying attention to, to the evolution of being human, like I don't want anything to do with you anyway. So I'm completely completely fine with living a decade of my life. I I think of it as like, you know, Louis, when you go to the eye doctor and they like put those little things on you and you can see more clearly each time and they're like at one or two, one or two. (laughs) Like that's me looking back at every decade of my life. I'm like, Oh, maybe a little clearer. I can tell what that part was about a little clearer. I can tell what, I mean, I just read this, this review on Amazon that made me laugh so hard. It was a review. It said, all I could think of when I read Love Warrior was, girl, you're gay. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. They knew it before I did. Well, I mean, let's talk about this for a second, because if you never like to make out with your husband and if you never, I don't know what your sex life was like, but I'm assuming it wasn't this passionate, romantic, you know, fairy tale type of experience. And I'm not saying that's what love needs to look like either, but if you weren't fully attracted to your husband and he wasn't feeling fully desired by you or attracted when you look back now and you know that he had a lot of infidelity, mm-hmm. are you still, uh, you know, feel like he should have just ended it and not done that or he was doing the best he could do because he wasn't getting what he desired from his wife. That was the person he loved. What do you, how do you reflect on that now? And yes. Yes. All and of, all of it. And more. And I mean, 
I, you know, Craig and I are close. Like yeah. he's one of my best friends. Yeah. And I have so much empathy for both of us. I mean, right. both we, of you. For both of us. I mean, yeah. we got married so young. I had been sober for maybe a hot second. Like he, I got pregnant. And so we got married. Yeah, you, so, didn't, you didn't know each other. Yeah. We didn't know each other. And, and we got married because it was the right thing, not because we were the right ones, right? And he did, you know what we did? We got married because we thought we were supposed to. Yeah. And whenever you make a huge decision in your life because you think you're supposed to, it's never, ever going to be like the wild, true, beautiful decision you were supposed to make, right? So... You know, I'm not one to be like, well, he sh I, I do think that we have learned that you don't abandon yourself like that. Like, I should never have stayed in a relationship where I hated sex. And oh. he never stayed in, in a relationship where he needed to go elsewhere for it. Like, right, right. that's what not abandoning yourself is, right? I mean, I learned from it. You know, when I fell in love with Abby, we were only, we were in a room together for 10 minutes. And then we were, we spoke on, on a stage together for an hour. That's all the time we spent together before we separated from each other, never saw each other again and dismantled our entire lives to be together. I don't know if you know that part. I know it's crazy. We never touched. We never I remember I, I read in the book how you like called each other and she was like, are you sure you're ready to do this? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I told Craig the minute I knew. Yeah. And that's you after know, you looked at the I, mirror and you were like, okay, I feel like this is not true anymore. Yeah, because yeah. I knew how it felt to like, well, I just remember thinking, I don't owe this man the rest of my life, but I do owe him my honesty when I know it. Snap. You know? And that's it's why, one of the hardest things to do yeah. is oh to tell the truth and to be honest about how you truly feel in a relationship. Especially, I can imagine if you've been together for a decade or more and you have kids, it's got to be the scariest moment of your life. Yeah, it was. I can only imagine. Yeah. And for him, and he, the, I mean, he... We had been through so much, Lewis. I mean, so much publicly, we, you know, intimately, everything. Right. And we had been through the infidelity and we had fought to forgive each other for that. And I thought that I was doing all of that work with him so that we could be happily ever after. But, but I was doing all that work with him so that we could separate and love and respect and have uh, forgiveness. Right. Yeah, and not because, hate each other right now. No, because the way we are able to cope <clears throat> now with Abby, we earned all that. Right? We you earned, went through five, six, seven years of therapy and stress and tears and pain. Yeah. And, um, and it's so interesting because we don't tell each other things. We don't tell the truth in relationships because we think, oh, I'm going to hurt them. I'm going to hurt them. But like what I've learned is that there's no such thing as one-way liberation. Right? When I finally stopped abandoning myself and I got the nerve to say the thing and set myself free, I also set Craig free. Yeah. And now he's out there dating a woman who wants to make out with him. Exactly. <laughs> and he was, he was abandoning himself the whole marriage. It sounds like, because if, if it wasn't working or if he wasn't getting what he wanted or whatever, that it's like, he wasn't being honest with himself or with you. You weren't being honest with yourself or with him and you both were hurting. And the kids are essentially seeing a model, like you said, that is, they're probably going to follow in some way, shape or form in the future until you break it. That's right. And I think one thing that women are told often is we think that we cannot, you will hear this from all the time, Lewis, like people will say it in response to this interview. For sure. 
well, women can't just do what they want. We can't do what we want. That's selfish. Uh-huh. Yeah. We can't just do what we want. Like our people will, it will hurt our people. We, we are told we are brainwashed to believe that if we do what is true and beautiful for ourselves, that it will hurt our people. Right. It, it, it might hurt a few people. That, well, yeah, but like for women, especially like we, yeah. we are trained that what is good for us and what is good for our people are mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. That is what women believe. And I, if there's one thing that I've learned from this experience, it is that that is not true. When we allow ourselves to live as ourselves, right? When we give ourselves permission to exist fully, we automatically grant permission to everyone in our world to exist fully too. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's what I mean by one-way liberation. Like if you are a woman, you can continue to hide and you can continue to, to use our children as excuses not to be brave with our lives, right? Or we can demand to set our own selves free, to live fully, and our children will look at us and go, huh, I guess I have permission to do that. Yeah. It's like being at a high school dance where everyone's just trying to look cool on the outside and, and just have their own conversation and pose up against the wall and like talk with their, what's up, man? You know, until uh, one person decides to untame on the dance floor and say, hey, I'm going to let myself loose. You can look at me. You can laugh at me. But eventually, you're going to be joining me and be grateful for this. That's what it's like. And I think the idea of untaming, it isn't... I think sometimes when people hear the words like tame, it makes them think of wild. Mm-hmm. And then when they think of wild, they think of, oh, to untame means to come in, to be just crazy and bold. And that's not what it means at all. Like, mm-hmm. To get back to your own wild just means to be the person that you were before the world told you who to be. Right. right? Yeah. To be so yourself. Daughters. To be and yourself. This is yeah, who you to are. To be yourself. Right. It's not but, to get back to yourself. It's just to be who you've always been. Yeah. Be the self that's just hidden underneath all of these cultural expectations right. and um, conditioning and all of that. I mean, I've got two little girls. One of them is wild AF. Like, like you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I've got this other one who's quiet and cautious. Like, that is her wild, mm. right? You have to shame her into being loud and whatever, like everyone else, because that's not who she is. Yeah. So I think it's important to know like our wild inside of us doesn't have to do with volume, right? It has to do with who we actually are. Yeah. Why, why is it so hard to forgive ourselves and other people? And if you could go back in the marriage or uh, in the divorce or any of these, any of this time, and you could forgive yourself or other people faster, would you choose to do that? Okay. Well, I have, some different thoughts about forgiveness. Sure. I, I just think our idea of forgiveness is kind of bullshit. Like, okay. I think we have this idea that forgiveness is like um, a linear process that we're just like doing, we're like holding our breath. Somebody's done something to us and we're like holding our breath and we're just like waiting for the moment that forgiveness is like bestowed upon us from the sky. And uh-huh. then we're going to forever feel fine about that person. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's not my experience with forgiveness. I think forgiveness is circular, right? It's like walking a spiral staircase and, and we're still going to run into our rage mm-hmm. and our unforgiveness. I forgive day. you. I hate you. I forgive you. I'm mad at you. Like, <laughs> I, find, I think that Craig and I are in a very evolved place. Like we yeah. respect each other deeply. We get it. We forgive each other. And every once in a while, I still want to stab him. Like, yeah. 
and I think that we will always have that. We will come back around to forgiveness, but I don't think it's linear. I don't think it's a check done and done. Mm -hmm. I think it's a repetitive process over and over again. And I will tell you this. I spent so much of my marriage angry, like deeply. Give me, give me a percentage. 80%, 50%. Wow. I mean, I'm like, after the infidelity, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 80 to 85. You were like, He's punished all day long. I mean, I tried not, you know, I just, I think it came across daily as just cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know how a person acts when they need to get their boundaries back, right? <laughs> but I think that what I learned, I kept raging. I kept internally raging. Like how could, he, the repetitive loop in my head was, how could he abandon me like that? How could he abandon me like that? Until I figured out that the actual question I should have been asking myself is, why do I keep abandoning myself? Mm. Why, if, if I am trusting myself, if myself, if this anger inside of me is telling me over and over again that I am not safe, why am I abandoning myself? Why are you staying in it to stay appearance or for the kids or what? I mean, we actually believe that it is kinder to keep people close and hate them than it is. <laughs> to set them free. To set them free so we yeah. can love them, right? I realized my job was to forgive the husband of my children. And I needed to do whatever it took to make that happen. And what it took for me to be able to forgive the children of my husband was to divorce him. Wow. When I, the first time I remember feeling tender, safe, loving feelings for Craig was when I was in the elevator going downstairs after our divorce mediation. That was the first time. And I looked at him and I felt safe and I felt tender feelings and I felt forgiveness and I felt friendship. And that is because I had done what it took to make myself safe again, to restore my own boundaries. So what I'm saying is I, first of all, I don't think forgiveness is a before and after. I think it's a process again and again forever. And I also don't think forgiveness is something that just falls from us Mm. to us from the sky. I think sometimes we have to forge forgiveness by restoring boundaries. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Wow. How do we create those boundaries? You ask yourself what you need, and then you don't tell yourself you're being dramatic, or you should be grateful, or you should, 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 should. You say to yourself, what do I need to feel safe again? And then you do that shit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> what about the relationship? Here, here's a question for you. I think like, you know, I'm st- I still this uneducated human being that is always learning and asking questions. So forgive me if I sound uneducated, but uh, sexuality is on a spectrum yeah. where, uh, you know, it may not be fully, fully gay. You might be part gay you might have tendencies whatever right uh and excuse me if i mess up terminology no you don't have to be worried about that with me i'm brand new to the gayness <laughs> I, I know that uh 
I'll speak for myself. I know that I love women and, <laughs> well, yes. am, and I'm sexually attracted to only women. Yeah. But I also know that I love to put my arm around and be affectionate with a, a buddy of mine, a couple of guy friends of mine. I like to hug people in general, but I would never, I shouldn't say never, but I've never thought that I would ever cross a line and want to be sexual or kiss a man in any way, period. It's never crossed my mind as something I'm even curious to attempt. Mm -hmm. So that's just where I'm at. But it, there's probably some tendencies of like, well, but, I've, but I'm affectionate and there's men that would yeah. never want to touch another man. So there's, ten, there's, there's a spectrum there. There's also a spectrum of love that couples have for each other. And this is something that you said uh, a few minutes ago about I was in a, it was a, a good relationship or a good marriage. A, you, bad marriage, a bad marriage with a good man. Yes, mm -hmm. a, a bad marriage with a good man. But what about the people who have good marriages with good partners? Mm -hmm. But it's not great. It's a 78% it's a marriage, not an 88 to 90%. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it drops down to 69, 68%, goes back up to 70. It's a good marriage with a good person, but it's not, it's still not everything that that person wants. It's still, I'm missing something. There's something a little bit that's missing. Mm -hmm. What are the people that have really good marriages, but it's not great? Mm -hmm. what, are the, what do those people do? It's like having the great, good corporate job that's making you 250 grand a year, but ah, there's something that's like missing. Mm -hmm. Do they get out of that relationship? Is it, you know, a process of communication and therapy? What is it to get to the level that we truly want that it looks like and sounds like you're experiencing right now? So I think that, I mean, first of all, the thing that I would say is like, this isn't a Cinderella story, except like a girl replaces the prince. Like it's not like I'm <laughs> skipping around in daisies all day yes. like marriage is still marriage and being human is still human and all the things like there's no disney shit here yes right? yes secondly um i think that one of the bravest things that people can do is to even admit that discontent i think that but most it's good it's 80 percent of the way there we or or they won't even tell themselves that they won't even because I think that admitting that you have any discontent or longing for more mm -hmm. means that you have to then do something about it. Like it's easier just to deny that longing because I think you're talking and be about grateful. longing. And be grateful for what you have. I mean, and Lewis, you, this wasn't part of your particular indoctrination, but women are trained from the minute we're born to be scared to death and ashamed of wanting more. Mm. The, the, the original sin for women is to is want more. Right? Hey, is, gosh, that think sucks. About think about Eve. Like the first story I ever learned about being a woman and God is the chick who showed up on the earth, wanted more, and, and got then punished. The effing world fell apart. Oh, man, right? that's a that's a tough pill to swallow. Right, and that story is told to women in every situation oh across the corporate world, across the family worlds. Do not want more. Smile and be grateful for what you have. And if you do Why ask, is more, that? you will get all up. Why is that? Why is that well, story? Well, because we live in a patriarchal culture. So, of course, women have to be scared to death to demand what they deserve. Because if we demanded what we deserved, power would be threatened, mm. right? So the, the, the clearest way we can get women to stay in their place is to have them terrified of wanting more. Wow. So By telling a story of the past, yeah. Right. So, and it's the story of today. So that's why when you hear a woman be ambitious, look at, look at every woman who's ever run for, for political office. 
Oh, she's too ambitious. She wants power. She wa- we won't have it. We will not have it. We will not have a woman who wants power. We hate her. We, we say things like this. I don't know what it is. I just can't put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. She's just not likable. Right? Yeah. I can put my finger on it. It's because we have been culturally conditioned to the, the more successful, the more successful, the more confident and the more happy a man becomes, the more people like him. And study after study have proven that the more successful, the more confident, the more bold a woman becomes, the more people dislike and mistrust her. That's, that's, not, that's not the case for me and my girlfriend. She's, she goes after what she wants and she is passionate about it. And I'm like, for once I'm with someone who's, who I feel like is a match, who's like, mm-hmm. has the same type of, you know, drive for her dreams. Whether and she- that's what you, that's the way that you react to her. But ask her if she thinks that the world ever thinks mm-hmm. she's getting too big for her britches. Right. Ask her how many times she's put in her place for being beautiful and strong and powerful. Because there will be a difference in the way that she, the, real, the world reacts to her than the way that you react to her. Yeah, of course. Right? Well, it's, it's interesting you say that because I remember getting notified of an interview I did on a podcast. It was like eight years ago. And something around like the title was like, <laughs> I can't remember exactly what it said, but something like Lewis Howes' definition of like winning uh, success is like winning at everything <laughs> and this is pre like lewis on a journey of evolving and trying to like discover myself <laughs> yeah. but i remember li- like reading the the highlights from it where i was like the whole mission of my life is to win at everything and, and mm-hmm. to be the it was like to be the best mm-hmm. that was before i went through a journey of talking about sexual abuse and mm-hmm. discovering myself and healing and forgiveness and everything which you were a huge part of my journey because I reached out to you and said, how do I share this with the world? I have no clue what I'm doing and I'm terrified and you guided me. So thank you. I'll be forever grateful for your guidance on how to share my story. Seven, I guess it was seven years ago, six, six years ago now. And um, it's funny to look back and, and see like my mindset was just like, no, I have to be the best. I have to win. And if not, I'm worthless yeah. and no one's going to love me. And I'm going to feel like a loser. All these things that I was taught and conditioned, but I felt like, man, I'm, I'm, this is not a good place to come from. It does not support me. It makes me feel so lonely. It makes me feel insecure. It makes me feel like I'm never going to be good enough. And now I come from such a place of collaboration and yeah, sure. I'm still competitive at certain things, but it's like, I want everyone to win. I want to promote everyone. I want everyone's voice to be heard. It's not only me. It's how can we all support and collaborate as opposed to be competitive and win. And it's, it's amazing when you shift that, you can get so much more done when you try to collaborate as opposed to compete or when you try to lift others up as opposed to win at everything. It's amazing what you can create. It's amazing how much better you can sleep at night. I've slept so good over the last five years. It's crazy. Oh, I love that. It makes you feel so much less alone because doing anything, like doing this work alone, forget it. Like you, you can just spend all of your minutes on earth just feeling like you have to earn your existence. Like, I used to just feel like if I wasn't producing something, mm-hmm. like the day wasn't even worth, I would just feel like complete yeah. crap about myself. If you right? didn't write an article that didn't get shared by thousands of people and you know whatever comments and views, then I'm not enough. Right, right, right. And that's so wonderful to have a team of people now that you can mm-hmm. celebrate with. It's Everything's just about, and at the end of the day, it really just, is just about community all yeah. the time. What, what is your greatest hope for your children through witnessing 
the the the, the lifestyle that you had pre-Abby to the lifestyle you have now. Do you feel worried that they were so conditioned to see one model and now they're learning a new model that may be, uh, you know, unique in itself because there's, they're not seeing a lot of that in society, I guess, maybe, but now they're seeing a new model with two women together in a different type of union. Yeah. What's your hope for them as they grow up mm -hmm. and evolve? Well, I remember when I sat them down to tell them about the divorce and later when I sat them down to talk to Abby, I remember I said, I have always told you that in this family, we tell the truth about who we are. Mm. Even when it feels scary and even when it could disappoint other people. And I'm about to show you how that's done. And I told them. And what I want, I talk to my girls and Chase a lot about the word confident. I'm not obsessed with the word brave because I feel like everybody on earth has a different freaking idea of what brave is, right? Or just brave is like, bleh. But I love the word confident because it, its Latin roots are con and fid, which means uh, with fidelity, right? With loyalty. So confidence means loyalty to self. And I talk to the girls about uh, and Chase about this all the time because what I want for that from them for them is that they live lives of confidence, meaning that they are willing to disappoint everybody else on earth so that they don't have to disappoint themselves. Oh, that is strong. Yeah, I want them to disappoint as many people as humanly <laughs> oh necessary, including and especially me, especially their parents. Because I learned during my own untaming that it was easy for me to tell the entire world about Abby than it was, than it was for me to tell my mom. Okay. Wow. Like you can think you're untamed until you have to call your parents. <laughs> and you go back into your certain, like, yes, mommy, yes, daddy. Sorry, <laughs> tell me what to do. Well, how did your mom react to it? Or Well, this is interesting. So this is my, my, my situation with my mom during this time is when I became an adult. I had to pinpoint the moment I actually wow. became an adult. It was during this time. Why, so, why do you say that? Because I told my mom and she, my mom's my best friend. Okay. We talk four times a day. Well, she was before this, huh? No, no, she is. <laughs> I'm she still is. And um, she was scared shitless. Okay. She was she was worrying to death and calling that love. She was um, mm. repeating and repeating all of these questions. Well, what are the kids' parents going to say? What are, how is the world going to react? She was so fearful. And every time I talked to her, I'd, I'd find myself getting defensive and afraid and, and shaken because it's not the hate from, from the people. It's not like the rage from the people who hate us that shakes us from ourselves. It's the quiet concern from those who love us, right? That shakes us. Wow. That's always it. Um, and so I remember one day, Lewis, my mom said to me on the phone, we're coming to visit. And I found myself saying, no, you can't come because you are afraid. And my children are not afraid, right? We've taught them that love in any form is to be celebrated and that it is best to be yourself and let the world catch up. So they don't carry the fear that you carry. But if I let you bring it to this house, they will see it in your eyes and they will help you carry it because they'll they start to question. They'll start to, yeah. wow. So I said, I have to tell you this hard thing, mom, which is that your fear is not my family's problem. And 
it is my duty as their mother to make sure it never becomes their problem. So go figure out your problem. And when you are ready to come to the island of my family with nothing but love and celebration and respect, we will lower the drawbridge for you, but not one second sooner. That's profound. Now, would you need your mom? What if your mom was like, well, I can just never accept this. What if I'm just hypothetical? I can never accept this, but I can be neutral and still love you. And I'm not going to say I like it and it's okay in my beliefs, but because that might shatter her or who knows. I'm just saying for anyone else watching, but if she said, but I'll have a neutral stance and I won't make you wrong for it. Would you be, is that something? I don't know. And all I can tell you is that I'm, I feel very lucky that that wasn't, isn't my, (laughs) what you just said. I know a lot of people here, but it sounds like a bunch of bullshit to me. Yeah. Yeah. I will never understand. Like, I love you, but I disagree with you. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, opinions are something you disagree with, but people's families are not something you disagree with. Like Mm -hmm. you don't get to disagree with the love of my life. Like, if you disagree with the love of my life, that's great, but you're sure as hell not coming to my house. Right, right? right. So, so I'm glad that that situation has never arisen for yeah. me. And maybe one of the reasons it hasn't arisen for me is because I would not have it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's right? she wouldn't be in your life in this way. No. no. What, ab- what about Abby's? Okay. Like, I think that what people do is that they decide who gets to be in their life. Mm. Even if it's family, family, even if it's parents, even if it's... And what we decided early on was we were going to do something different. We were going to decide what is not let in our life. And homophobia was one of those things. So no matter who brings it, even if it's my mom, you don't get to come. Wow. No matter who's holding it on the other side of like our island drawbridge, you just don't hey, get to come. I mean, you can't do that because that's lie. negative energy. Yeah, it's negative energy. It's a lie. Like it's, not, it's just like you're not going to bring your racism into my house. Right. You're not going to bring your racism. You're not going to bring your homophobia. You're not going to bring lies into my house while I entertain it and try to make space mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. No, right. like <laughs> I can't control the whole world, but this is my island. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to bring that shit into my house and let my kids see it. Yeah. Then, then my kids look at me and think, oh, I see. In, my, in our family, we make room for racism and homophobia. <laughs> <laughs> right. We try to make nobody uncomfortable. Right. We try to not say what needs to be said. Yeah. I, I, I'm in- my mom, it's amazing, Lewis, when you do stand in who you are and you do make your non-negotiables. You create right? your boundaries. Yeah. You do make your boundaries. People come around. Mm-hmm. They either going to come around or they'll be alone and upset. They come around or they don't come around anymore. Either way, lovely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I think what we do is we go around trying to convince everybody we're okay. But the only way to convince other people that we're okay is to just go about being okay and let them witness it, mm-hmm. right? I think in the end, my mom was just really scared for me. Yeah. And now she saw, she, she respects what I decided. Mm-hmm. She realized, oh my God, their family is as beautiful as she thinks it is, right? And now she likes, she, Abby is her favorite daughter now. And she oh. has two <laughs> She more than you, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about Abby's parents? I, I, haven't, I haven't seen a lot about her is she her parents accepting of stuff are they out of the picture is it no 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 no. actually we were just on an hour-long zoom call with her entire family because she has seven brothers and sisters and i don't know something like 49 million we have 49 million nieces and nephews no (laughs) um abby's parents are lovely 
wonderful and very Catholic. So we, they love us as human beings. I don't know if they will ever get to the point where the, the real come to Jesus discussion, come to Jesus is a funny way to describe it. The discussion about like, do we really at the end accept- of the day believe that, right, I, I don't know. So if they're, so if they're lovely to you and lovely people, but they're not fully accepting of this belief, is it okay to still have a relationship and, and have people in your lives who are? Well, part of that's Abby's decision. Gotcha. Right? Because every relationship is so different. And I, Abby, I'm a little bit more scary spice than Abby is. <laughs> yeah. She's much nicer than like I am. It's, it's black or white. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So um, like every family, we have different yeah. Yeah. situations with everybody yeah what's the thing that you admire about yourself in the last five years the most oh i like that question i admire that i have always so far <laughs> till this minute i don't know what will <laughs> happen next hour but i really have been able to honor the commitment to just do the next right thing mm even if the next right thing is not the most easy or profitable <laughs> or, um, you know, even when the next right thing has been, okay, that's great, but if you do that, your career is going to be over. I've been able to look at groups of people and say, okay, I guess my career will be over. Then. Yeah. And that's been pretty fun and badass. And like, I've never, I have never had to abandon myself. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to see over and over again that, that the fear that people bring to you is never true. The only thing you really have to be afraid of is losing your integrity and losing yourself. Mm. The rest falls in line when you do. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. And what's the thing you admire the most about Craig in the last five years? I mean, I guess his constant grace. I mean, he like supports. He's over here a lot right now because we're in blended family quarantine. Uh-huh. The whole thing. But it's got to not. It's got to not be easy. Even if it wasn't the right thing anymore to be together, it's still got to be challenging for anyone, man or woman, yeah. to see someone with in an in, finally happy. Oh, I couldn't make them happy. She's finally happy. It's still got to be somewhat challenging to the ego or to the heart or yeah. anything, right? Absolutely, and I'm sure it is. And the fact that he shows up so relentlessly and still has such deep kindness. I think that's what I respect so much about him because you're right. It can't all, it it can't be easy. I think that it's a little easier for Craig and I than it is for a lot of couples. And this is what I figured out. I think that there is like a very thin line between love and hate. Like they're both passion, right? (laughs) So it's like, who cares whether it's on this side this day or this side this day, like whether you are, crazy about each other or hate each other. It's just the same thing. It's all just passion, right? So I think that's why it's so hard for a lot of couples who fall deeply in love and have deep passion to divorce and co-parent because those things are so close, that's right? That's a good analogy, yeah. When my friends who can't be in the same room as their people, they can't, they can't even understand me in Craig's situation because they can't be in the same room. It's because they have deep, passionate love that... It's just a while to move over to the friend zone. And I think Craig and I were kind of never kissing. You weren't having sex. You were. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like you can have a fairy tale marriage or a fairy tale divorce, but maybe you can't have both. Like, yeah. And 
And it's also, I mean, who knows? I dated a girl in high school who, you know, she's an amazing woman and she ended up being in love with a woman. She dated another guy after me and then dated a woman for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, there's something, it's a different energy. I'll speak for myself. I don't want to speak for Craig or any other man, but it's a different energy. I think where it's like, they're with another man and they're happy and they're with a woman. I don't know. I don't know what the energy is, but it's, who knows if he'd be so kind and loving if he was like in a house with you and another man with his kids all day, there might be some type of energy. I don't know. Well, I remember this is what something that Oprah said to me. She was like, well, you know, most guys have to feel like they weren't man enough, but at least Craig can just say I wasn't woman enough. There you go. Yeah. But also Lewis, for real, like I think the energy, like for me, watching Craig, well, he just had, and I had a very serious girlfriend who was wonderful. But I had, so I had to go through the pain Ooh. of watching another woman with my children. Like, he never had to watch another man with his children. It's different, I'm telling you. Like, Abby is not, you know, that's not like watching another dad figure come in. Right, right. The- it's like, oh, is she a better mom than me? Is she right. the fun mom? Is she the this mom? Is oh, she, God, or I is mean, she evil or she, whatever, yeah. And she wasn't. She was wonderful. So that oh. made it worse. <laughs> You're like, oh, she's perfect. I hate her. <laughs> she was like perfect and wonderful and lovely and nice. And she knew how to do perfect braids in the kids' oh. hair. And she just, it was like, whew. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro. Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. I mean, it was actually a wonderful experience for me because I really had to face all of the mm-hmm. talk about making making yourself feel worthy. Like I had uh, to be like, will my kids still love me? Am I enough? Like. I had to go through all of that. It's it's complicated, man. Parenting, no matter what, family, love, yeah. all of it's complicated, no matter what form you have it. Yeah, even if you have the perfect marriage with the perfect partner and you're loving it, it's still gonna be hard. It's hard for everybody. <laughs> being a human being is challenging. <laughs> you add another human being in your life all day long, that's more challenging, learning and growth. What's the thing you admire most about Abby? Oh, Jesus. In the last five years. Abby is hands down the kindest person I know. She's the kindest person that everyone knows who's in her life. But I think one of the one of the, what came to mind when you said this is that Abby, more than anyone I know, brings one hundred percent of who she is to every scenario, every person, every moment. She is the most present. I would say she's the most generous with her being person that I've ever met. Meaning if you're in a room with her, she is giving you 100% of who she is. And I don't even understand it. I mean, as a raging introvert, like, I'm usually not even in the room when I'm in the room. (laughs) Gone. And she just has this ferocious presence that really comes across to me as just complete love, just generosity of spirit. Um, She just makes every room... She makes everybody feel seen. She makes every room more fun and more alive. She's just, I don't know. She's just magic to me. 
That's beautiful. Uh, I feel like I could get lost listening to you and learning from you for hours, but I want to ask you a couple final questions. Yeah. Um, what advice do you give to people who are in, whether you're a blended, mixed, normal family, whatever you want to call it, any type of family with kids and challenges, what advice do you give during quarantine of yeah. how to keep peace and love and yeah. boundaries in confinement? First of all, I just think that every parent on earth needs to lower their freaking expectations, yeah, right? Just, just stop. Be, be flexible. Oh, all this like, oh, we'll just teach our kids Spanish during this time. <laughs> we'll all learn jujitsu and we'll like all this freaking hustle and like, just no, we're, we're in a freaking global pandemic. Like let's lower our expectations. We are just trying to survive, right? People are being asked to do impossible things right now. Like you cannot do your job, homeschool your children, deal with your own grief and their grief and everybody, you, you can't, nobody's nailing it. Mm. Nobody's nailing it. We're all just trying to survive it. Don't mom shame yourself. Don't dad, turn on the freaking TV. Okay? Yeah, watch some Disney Plus. Yeah. All day. All day. <laughs> if you need a reading lesson, just push mute and turn down the closed caption. Mm -hmm. There you go. Reading, reading lesson, check, right? Just lower your expectations. Yeah. And then I also think that a really, I think this is a hard time for families because especially in my parenting generation, we were taught to fix everything, mm -hmm. to not let our children feel any pain at all. Ever. You can't fix this. You can fix it, right? These kids are in a place that we have never been in. Like they have just lost the illusion we've tried to sell them, which is that we are in control and we can protect them from things. Poof, that's gone, right? This is a weird time for these kids. And they're going to have weird feelings, and so are we. And I think we need to practice not fixing each other. When our kids tell us that they're afraid, when our kids tell us that they're angry, when our spouses do, we don't move to solution. We just move mm -hmm. to connection, right? We don't say, here's how I'm going to fix this for you. We just say, I see you. Me too. We practice allowing everybody to have their pain. Yeah. I think that this is a good time to practice that since we can't fix anything anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to acknowledge you for a moment, uh, Glennon, for being loyal to yourself and for expressing confidence with yourself and integrity with yourself and, and, and sharing all this with the world by first doing it yourself and practicing something that's very, very challenging and was probably one of the scariest things you've ever done. And I also want to acknowledge you for being a, a voice for so many people that need this message and for also being there for me when I needed to go through something really challenging and really scary for me to share with people. You were the person that got on the phone and guided me. I was clueless of what I was doing, terrified, so scared. And you gave me a sense of peace. You gave me a sense of everything's going to be okay. It's going to be hard and scary and you're going to deal with lots of emotions, but you were really there for me in a big way. And I'll, I'll always be grateful for your, your time, your energy, your presence, your, your truth and your wisdom. So I'm just very grateful for you and the person that you are, the person you've become over the years and uh, for, for untaming yourself. And I want to make sure everyone gets this book because there's some stuff in here when I was going through it that dropped my jaw. So make sure you go check this out in a positive way, in a powerful way that will support you in your life and give you more courage in your life to be who you've always been, which it seems like you've gotten back to. So I want to make sure everyone gets this book.
there's a there's a something I asked you the last time you came on, but I think that your truths might be different. Mm-hmm. I asked this to everyone at the end. It's called the three truths. Mm-hmm. It's a question, hypothetical question. I want you to imagine it's your last day on earth a couple hundred years from now. But one day you got to go. Okay. And um, you've accomplished every dream you could imagine. You have the most beautiful relationship, life. Kids have done everything. You've done it all. Written all the books. Anything you want to do, you've done it. But for whatever reason, you've got to take all of your work with you to the next place. And so your writing, your books, your movies, your interviews, speeches, they're all to the next place. They're, no one has access anymore. But you got a piece of paper and a pen to write down three things you need to be true about life. Three things you would leave behind to your friends, your family, your loved ones, into the world. And this is all we would have are these three truths from you. What would you say are yours? Be still. These are the three things I would tell my kids. That's how I have to think about this. <laughs> be still. Because I truly believe that the only way we end up living the life we were meant to is if we practice not looking outside of ourselves, but inside. There's a guide in here. We can only get to in stillness. The second one would be feel all your feelings. Not just the easy ones. Feel them all because feelings are alchemy that turn us into the next version of who we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And the third one would be imagine. I believe so strongly in the power of imagination. I think our imagination is not where we go to escape reality, but it's where we go to discover the deepest reality that we were meant to birth. Ooh. So be still, feel all your feelings and imagine. That is beautiful. Uh, one final question for you before I ask it, where can we support you besides getting the book? How can we follow you online, your website? Where can we go? There's no book tour right now. So no, well, how can we see with the go to um, Glennon Doyle on Instagram and then go to Together Rising. Together Rising is my nonprofit, which is really my baby. We've raised $25 million for women and children in need all over the globe. Yes. All grassroots. The, the most frequent donation is $25. So this is just a completely grassroots revolutionary activism crew. So come to Together Rising, come to Glennon Doyle. Mostly on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, but I don't understand Twitter. I suck at it. So maybe. <laughs> Instagram is great. You show a lot of your life. You show a lot of the stuff you're doing behind the scenes. So make sure to check it out there. I love what you're doing there. Uh, Glennon, you're amazing. My final question for you is what is your definition of greatness? Of greatness. To thine own self be true. Ooh. You're the best. Glennon, I can't wait to hopefully hug you in the future if we're allowed to. We will. We will. High fives, uh, shake hands, all that stuff. So thank you for all your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Lewis. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you feel more loved, more inspired, and more empowered to take on your life with fuller clarity and purpose moving forward. If you did enjoy this, make sure to share this on social media and tag me at Lewis Howes and tag Glennon Doyle as well. And share this with one friend, text a friend, message a friend on WhatsApp group message, Facebook messenger, wherever you can, you have the power to transform and change someone's life today. All you got to do is share this message of inspiration and greatness with a friend. And if this is your first time here and someone sent you here to listen to this, then please subscribe over on Apple Podcast and leave us a review and make sure to pay this forward. Share this with one other friend you think might be inspired and text the friend back 
who message you this link and say, hey, thank you. Here's what I learned. Here's what I got out of this. And here's how I'm going to apply this today in my life. Make sure to check out all of Glennon Doyle's information. You can go to the show notes, lewishouse.com slash 952 to check out all of her info, where to get her book, how to follow her on social media, and all that good stuff as well. And Ralph Waldo Emerson said, don't be pushed by your problems, be led by your dreams. For me, that really means don't be consumed in the mess of what's not working. Focus on the vision and the clarity of what you want to get out of and create in your life with those dreams that you do have. And Shonda Rhimes said, you can waste your lives drawing lines or you can live your life crossing them. What are the lines you need to cross over into to become something greater to achieve what you want? Start thinking about those lines. Don't stay behind them. Don't draw them. Go over them. Never again will you fall back behind the line. You'll always be moving forward. If someone hasn't told you lately, I love you so very much. I'm so grateful for you to be here. Appreciate you. And as always, you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. At Metro, get an iPhone 12 with 5G and a dual camera system for $99.99. Take amazing pictures and share them instantly. And don't put up with life's yada yada. Yada yada. Like photo bombers. Zoom, crop out, yada yada. And bye. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Get iPhone 12 with 5G with no activation fees and nada yada yada. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Switch to Metro, bring your ID. This offer isn't available for customers currently at T-Mobile or that have been with Metro in the past 180 days. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.